you vampires and haters, welcome back to the Kowski cast. I'm Mary Kwiatkowski. And I'm Rachel Stukenborg. And today we're back for another episode of Twifight, the only podcast on the internet that debates the pros and the cons of the Twilight Saga. This week we're breaking down chapter 7, Nightmare, and chapter 8, Port Angeles, of the first Twilight novel. Let's get to it. Whew. Okay, so we are starting back up, meeting back up with Bella. It's directly following the previous chapter, where they went to the beach trip and she heard Jacob tell her a scary story about the Cullens and werewolves and vampires and all that nonsense. Safe to say Bella's still like a little bit in her head about this. She's stressed. She gets home and she's overthinking about everything and then she just decides that she doesn't want to think. So she pulls out this old CD that Phil, her mom's husband, gave her that's like some band she doesn't really know and it's kind of like not her genre of music. I think it was some kind of metal. Yeah, it sounded like it. She said it was like some kind of rock music that was very bass heavy and shrieky. Hell yeah. So I don't really know what I picture for that, but... My kind of music. Can I claim this band for my team? (laughs) I don't know, because she grows to like it, though. Oh, she does. Okay. We'll give it like a nice middle ground. Okay. Yeah, I think the band has not made a a strong move on either team. Maybe it's... (laughs) Do you think it's like Metallica, maybe? Oh, maybe. Maybe she couldn't use it because of copyright. I don't I was just trying to guess like what they described it being. Something like that. Something like 80s rock but heavier. Not like the big hair bands. Right, but something like that. Yeah. Have you no, have you ever listened to music in order to like drown out the sounds around you, like block things out and not think? Yes. Maybe, like, not just by itself, though. Like, I'll usually go on a walk when I'm doing it or, mm-hmm. like, on a run. She just kind of, like, she puts this music on, on with headphones and turns it up as loud as she can until it hurts and then just sits on her bed for hours just to stop thinking. Yeah. It's a little bit much for me. I mean, I think there are better ways to not, not think because I, I almost feel like if you're doing something that's so stationary like that, I'm more likely to think, like... Some of the times that I used to think the most was when I would mow the lawn and I would listen to music and then put the big earmuff things around me so I, you know, wasn't blowing out my eardrums by listening to music while mowing the lawn. But I would still, and I would listen to music and, you know, sing along with it in my head, but I'd still be able to, like, think and and have some me time. But I have done this before, this kind of thing, when I've been on, I remember, like, when we would take bus trips with our cross-country team in the morning before we would run cross-country races and I would be trying to, like, catch up on some sleep on the bus on the way there so I would put on some loud music to drown out the noise of everyone else talking around me so I could try to sleep but I had like very specific songs I would listen to in order to do that and I also had specific songs I I have done this before if you're like upset about something I have specific music that like doesn't remind me of anything like it's just music it doesn't make me like think about other people or or anything like that you don't associate it with anyone or anything right And, and that generally is the kind of like more metal or like heavy rock kind of music. Okay, I can see I it. I get it. I get what she's doing. It's relatable, <laughs> I guess. But yeah. 
yeah. the non-relatable part is the like the the fact that she's just laying down on her bed while doing this. Yeah. I also feel like for what she doesn't want to think about, she doesn't want to think about the fact that she maybe has a crush on a vampire. And I feel like as a teenage girl, like I would want to think about that. I want to think about it all day. <laughs> What? What do you mean you want to think about it all day? Like, ooh, it's a vampire. Or no, just like, you come into some supernatural thing. Yeah. You're a teenager. This thing you've like wanted to happen, like something supernatural. You're going to think about it. But see, I think that uh, like teenagers now, the only reason they want supernatural things to happen are because we have stuff like Twilight and true blood and supernatural the tv show like that kind of thing like without that i don't know like i mean i guess vampires have always sort of been in the culture of things that people have been interested in like vampires are typically shown as being a little bit sexy even the bad ones <laughs> so like true. i guess i get it but yeah it's it's weird it's it's uh, i just i don't she needs like she needs like a game boy she needs something <laughs> to do like for me to distract myself i need to be doing something active like just sitting there and trying not to think isn't gonna help but right. whatever it works for bella i'm also kind of confused about some of this though because they mention later on that she's they say it's a cd player and she has headphones on but then later on they say that she unplugs the headphones and just plays the cd louder so is it like a boom box or do, do they make cd players that also have a built-in speaker oh i don't know i didn't pick i up certainly on that. didn't I have one of those player okay that always confused me but let me tell you like if having headphones on although this is more like earbuds the feeling of getting earbuds like ripped out of your ears is one of my least favorite things oh it's the worst add that to like my pet peeve list. oh yeah like when, when you drop your phone when you're wearing headphones and it yeah. just kind of pulls them out or Ooh, like it's caught on something i feel like that happens and oh, then people yeah. are like this is why you have ipods no no, no. what are they called apple pods? earbuds ear no 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 the little ones that are like without the oh, string ear earpods earpods whatever <laughs> it's fine i have some running headphones that just like go around my head they're like mm. bluetooth that's nice anyway okay that's unrelated so she has a dream she eventually falls asleep and she has a dream where she's in the woods basically like where she was near the ocean and she's trying to find the sun but it's like super dark and then jacob shows up and is like bella we gotta go we gotta run we gotta get out of here but he's trying to get her to go deeper into the woods and i think she also hears mike and mike is like come on let's go let's get out of here and then she sees edward enter but he's like a little bit glowy and he has like vampire fangs and then jacob turns into a wolf and then they like start to fight mm -hmm. and she wakes up and then she wakes up what's interesting is she was worried for edward in the dream yeah she was she was worried not for the little wolf boy <laughs> but for the vampire also interesting that jacob is already a wolf in her subconscious yeah that's like some really heavy-handed foreshadowing there yeah i, feel I like. mean that's straight up just like what happens right <laughs> that's book two yeah that's just book two for you already which we'll we'll talk about more when we get to book two how how interesting it is considering clock it chapter seven of twilight already points that out so just note it it's also interesting that she views edward as being a little bit glowy at this point already not to spoil anything but she's never seen edward in his glowy form yeah not yet his glowy form <laughs> his final form yeah, his final form. She decides that, you know what, she wakes up and she's like,
like, ah, forget it. It's time to time to break the seal and just Google him or Google vampires, which just, come on, girl. Like, you can't just Google one word. That's not how this works. Yeah. I don't know. This was in 2005. Maybe that's how it worked. I don't remember. I, I mean, okay, so I understand that she has dial-up and there's, like, all these pop-ups and everything, but the fact that she has time to go downstairs and make a bowl of cereal and then eat it and then come back up is a little <laughs> bit ridiculous. By the time it's still connecting. Yeah. But I do feel for that because I had dial-up and I had, you know, pop-ups and all that for a long time. Yeah. I do remember it took a long time. Like, I used to bring a book to the computer and, like, oh, read, wow. read through the book while it would boot up. Yeah. I don't know if it took this long for me, but the pop-up thing bothers me because she's like, when I turned on my computer, naturally the screen was covered in pop-up ads. Why naturally? There should be no pop-ups. <laughs> Not much less covered in pop-up ads. She's been looking at all kinds of sketchy sites. Yeah. On the vampire dark web. Or maybe Charlie has, because she hasn't True. been there, and it's been Charlie's computer. Or yeah, What's Charlie been looking at? I don't even want to know. Sexy fishing sites. <laughs> I don't know. Rate my fish pick. <laughs> It's like Tinder, but it's all the boys. They hold up fish pics, but it's like, yeah. it's meant for them. It's the guys with fish. Yeah, it's, it's, that, it's fish that category. On you know, plenty of fish in the sea. I think that is a site, actually. Dating site. So she does eventually find this site called Vampires A to Z, which actually I looked up, I believe was a site originally oh. like when at the time when the book was written it's no longer a site like you click on it it says like this site doesn't exist anymore but i found some forums where some people were talking right when the book came out and they had also checked and they said yeah i looked it was a real site blah 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 here are some of the paragraphs i don't know if all of the stuff from this book that she says was on that page like all the quotes i don't know if those were actually there or if stephanie meyer made any of them up but it does sound like there was a version of that at one point there's some fake sort of versions right now but it doesn't look like a real site okay that's neat though. I thought it was something she made up. But on Vampires A to Z, she learns a bunch of ancient stories of vampires across various cultures. And I looked up some of them and they are real mm -hmm. um, stories. I don't know if I'm going to pronounce this right, but it's the Danag from the Philippines. The, oh god, Varakolasi. Nope, from Romania. And they're all real, like, legendary stories from various cultures. All of, like, somewhere along the lines of something that looks like a human that drinks other humans' blood. And most of the time they're bad and evil, but she's, like, scrolling through thousands of these stories and she finds one called the Stragoni Benefici. And it's a vampire that kills bad vampires, but it's, like, good otherwise and she's like oh phew like i'm fine like she's immediately okay with all this yeah it's like ah oh, it's fine that there's thousands of references of negative ones look there's one good vampire out there so i can still find edward to be hot <laughs> <laughs> and I, I did want to read the, the quote that's, there's two quotes when you first get to the website, and I liked one of these, which was, Throughout the vast, shadowy world of ghosts and demons, there is no figure so terrible, no figure so dreaded and abhorred, yet dight with such fearful fascination as the vampire, who is himself neither ghost nor demon, but yet who partakes the dark natures and possesses the mysterious and terrible qualities of both. I was thinking about that because I don't really associate vampires with being ghosts, but I guess in the way of like being undead I guess that kind of makes sense and then yeah. there's like the demonic quality of then attacking humans mm -hmm. so interesting that they go with that I, I don't know vampires for me when I started reading Twilight we haven't talked really that much about vampires but I was never super super interested in vampires besides the the, the Disney Channel movie my mom's got a date with a vampire I still want to see that yeah it was kind of just like okay vampires are their creatures but I, I sort of pictured it on the same line of like 
like Frankenstein or I don't even know. I picture what Count else. Dracula. Yeah, yeah, or like you know Count Chocula. <laughs> I guess I just I was never super enthralled by that. I I think for me the like kind of mystical area that I tended to go to was more like witches and wizards and even and this is not mystical but like pirates like those kind of things were much more interesting to me than I don't know like angels and demons and that kind of thing. So yeah, I feel like I was aware of like vampires and people being interested in vampires before Twilight, but I don't remember from what. Was there anything else before Twilight? I mean, there probably was because there's like Interview with a Vampire. It was a movie with, I think Brad Pitt was in that. Interview with a Vampire 1994. Tom Cruise. Oh, and Brad Pitt. Yeah. You're right. So I was right with that. Brad Pitt plays a vampire. And then like Dracula, which I've also seen that had Gary Oldman in it. Mm -hmm. Were there vampires in Harry Potter? There's like one in the book, but it's not in the movie. So, but it's just kind of like, it's more of a... I was a vampire for Halloween in fifth grade. That was before Twilight. People knew about him because like Halloween and stuff, but... I was right before Twilight. Right. So Bella Lugosi, that version of Dracula, if you ever look up like Bella Lugosi, Dracula, that's the kind that I picture for Harry Potter. Just kind of guy in a suit with like the slick back hair and kind of evil looking face. Yeah. Nice contour. But there's also... Oh, Okay, like Nosferatu. Have you ever seen that? No. Actually, I take it back. Nosferatu. That's how I picture the <laughs> the vampire from Harry Potter. <laughs> He looks like a house elf. Yeah, but he's like, because he's not like, he doesn't look as human. He looks more creepy. Okay. Anyway, so yeah, I don't know. I I guess I just feel like it's hard thinking about Bella in a time where she's living in a world that exists that doesn't have the Twilight books. Because I think people nowadays, if they were told that a member of their school was a vampire, that they'd probably like, I mean, it would definitely be weird and they probably wouldn't believe it, but it wouldn't be as hard to believe given like stuff that's exists. (laughs) in popular culture i don't know yeah i feel like it'd be hard to believe but i feel like people would just make a bunch of like twilight memes and twilight jokes about it but it's like you've read harry potter if someone told you that you had magical powers or that there were people in the world with magical powers would you really find that that hard to believe yes see i don't think i would i think i'd be like eh checks out you know i've read harry potter 12 times yeah i think that makes sense anyway (laughs) so she does some light googling and then she kind of gets frustrated with that because she's literally sitting inside her house googling vampires so she goes on a walk in the woods this is not really a potato exactly but also she mentions that on top of everything else her sense of direction is also apparently hopeless yeah so like that's not great for her and when she first started walking out they made it seem like she was just kind of walking out into the forest with no direction but then they described that there were actually paths there so i was worried at first i thought she was gonna need rescuing again but she stayed on paths yeah she stays on a path and so she decides that she has two vital questions that she really needs to answer for herself in order to kind of get this out of her mind and move forward with her life. So the first question is she has to decide if it's possible that what Jacob said about the Cullens was true. And her mind is immediately like, no, of course not. Vampires don't exist. But then she thinks about all the stuff that she's seen, this sort of list she's collected of abnormal features. So the speed, strength, beauty, the fact that they have cold skin, eyes change color, they don't eat, They move very gracefully. They speak like they're from another time. He skipped class on blood typing day, which we said at the time seems very obvious. Very sus. He only said he couldn't go to the beach after he figured out the location that they were going to La Push. And he also straight up told her that he was a villain and that he was dangerous. Checks out. (laughs) Yeah, 
checks out. So I, then she's like, okay. So if it was true, the second question is, what is she going to do? And then she says she has two options. Option one, avoid him. And then it says she was gripped with a sudden agony of despair as she considered that. So her mind rejected the pain and she thought of <laughs> God, option two. Honey. And so option two is do absolutely nothing and just continue <laughs> with her current <laughs> state of life and just see what happens. Where's option three? Like confront him. Yeah. Nope. It's just it's just avoid him forever or do absolutely nothing different. <laughs> I thought that was great. Love it. That's a classic Bella decision making process. Yeah. So she goes back to her house. I assume it's Saturday, right? <laughs> it's probably the weekend. I think or so. Sunday. Or maybe it's Sunday. Sunday. Because she went to the beach the day before. Right, right. So it's Sunday. So she goes back to her house. She does some homework for the rest of the day. I like this quote. I think it's something that I do in my life a lot. I really identify with this, but I think it's funny in the context that it's in. So the context here is she has decided to do absolutely nothing different and just see what happens and accept the fact that he might be a vampire. Yes. But the the way she says it is, that had always been my way though. Making decisions was the painful part for me, the part I agonized over. But once the decision was made, I simply followed through, usually with relief that the choice was made. Sometimes the relief was tainted by despair, like my decision to come to Forks, but it was still better than wrestling with the alternatives. And I like that because I'm very similarly, like in basically all aspects of my life, any kind of big decisions or even smaller ones, my sister and I just were making a big purchase buying washers and dryers. And like I went to the store, I looked at a couple of them, had narrowed it down to a few. And then I was like, honestly, Laura, you just make the decision because like I could go back and forth comparing these for days and days and days, but I'm just, I'm going to be fine with whichever one is chosen. Like it's not Mm going to matter. And I'm like that with everything. I will agonize over like, oh, do I do this this weekend or do I do something else, you know, between two choices. But once a decision's made, I just like roll with it. And I don't, I don't ever, I I never have what ifs. I never go back and think, but what if I had done the other one or, Mm -hmm. or anything? It's just like, just pick a, pick a lane. So yeah, I like that. I think that's a good way to go about things. And it's hard to like never think about anything or never like wonder if things were done differently, how they would have turned out. But it's good to be final in your decisions. Think about it for a long time, but then when you make the decision, stick with it. I appreciated that sentence as well. Yeah. So I I liked that one a lot. I found a sentence. You found a sentence. I found a sentence in this book. Okay, great. You want to elaborate? Yeah. Did you notice they used the word twilight? Oh, pulling in the title. Yeah. What did they say? What what was the context? The context is when she's, I think, making her decision on what she wants to do. And she said, I wanted nothing more than to be with him right now, even if, but I couldn't think it. Not here, alone in the darkening forest. Not while the rain made it dim as twilight, under the canopy, and pattered like footsteps across the matted earthen floor. So in case anyone was wondering what kind of metaphor the title was going to be used for in this book, here's your answer. It's just time of day and weather. <laughs> it's literally just describing forks. <laughs> it's literally just describing the where she is in the yep. woods. Okay, great. Climate of the northeastern part of the United sure. States. Sure. We should keep track of that. And let's see if, if the other ones, because all of the books are referencing a time of day, right? We've got twilight, new moon. Eclipse is not really a time of day, but it's a yeah. moon thing. Yeah. And then breaking dawn. Breaking dawn. So I guess we should. Sun, which doesn't yeah. exist. Well, I guess we'll find out <laughs> when we read Midnight Sun. So, okay, interesting. Good to know that we uh, care a lot about the time of day. 
<laughs> anyway, she does homework for the rest of the day and that's kind of nice. And so she wakes up the next morning to go to school on Monday and it's a nice day. And I just want to note here, we're going to talk more about it later, but I'm just going to note here. She opens the window in her bedroom and she's surprised that the window opens very easily and silently considering it probably hasn't been opened for years. Just going to leave that there. We'll come back to that. Okay. Mental note. Okay. Window Mental opens note. easily and silently. Yes. So she goes to school and she gets there early. So she's like doodling, sitting around, waiting for class to start. Can you talk a little bit here about this ridiculous scene with Mike? Oh, God. So she's just chilling outside her classroom waiting for school to start. And then Mike rolls up early as well. And he sits with her for a little bit. He asks her to get dinner. She's like, you've got to be kidding me. He asked her to go on a date with him. Yeah. Keep in yeah. mind, he's already said yes to Jessica to the girl's choice dance which is in a week. After this whole debacle where he asked Bella to ask him and she said no. No, wait, what was the order? So Jessica asked Mike to the dance. Mike said, wait, went to Bella, asked her to ask him. She said no. Then he went back to Jessica and said yes. So here we are. Mike asks her to go on a date. She says, you know, I just don't think that'd be nice to Jessica. And he, this boy does not understand. He's like, what do you mean? She's like, are you blind? She said that. And I, I appreciated that a little bit. I understand if you're going to a dance with someone as friends that like you're still free to date other people. But if you have a group of girls and some might like you and you might like some and you agree to go to the dance with someone who asks you, you don't get to then like go on another date with a girl in between now in the dance yeah. like you're locked in with jessica until the dance is over whether you like it or not yeah that's my stance he's dumb if he thinks that it was a friendly invite yeah so it finally gets into his head oh and during this conversation i thought ooh, this, this part was so like heebie-jeebie for me he notices that bella's hair has red in it and he's like oh wow I, your hair is has red in the sun and then he like grabs a piece and tucks it behind her ear oh have you ever had someone you're not like yes dating do that to you i actually Actually had someone who I was on a date with them and they I think they were they were like it was it was sort of leaning up to the like first kiss end of night moment right and they were I think in their head trying to be like really smooth and really suave and so they were trying to like tuck my hair behind my ear and sort of like grab my face while they did it to like lean in to kiss but it was like really clumsy and just came across mm. really awkward and they sort of grabbed my face kind of hard it was just not good it, yeah. I was like, Ugh. if you had just like been more normal and casual <laughs> <laughs> this would have been an okay circumstance. Like, I appreciate the effort. Sometimes if you do too big of a thing, if you're, like, trying to make it a really big moment, it just comes across, you You get nervous, and it's very obvious, and it just comes across kind of awkward. So, right. I don't recommend that. I would say if, you, if, you're tr if you're thinking, like, maybe you need to make a big moment out of something, try to make sure it's still something you're very comfortable with so that yeah. it doesn't go that way. Yeah. Just compliment the hair. Don't touch it. Jessica invites her to go dress shopping with her and Angela and Lauren for the dance. She agrees to go, but she's kind of half-hearted because she's like, ooh, but what if I could be talking with Edward today? I don't know. Because if we remember, they left things on like a pretty good note. You know, they skipped class together and then he got her car driven home and they had that whole chat and then they had lunch together and all that. So yeah. Also, I, I thought it was kind of cool, actually. So the way she like vocalizes that, Bella, she's like, and who knew what I could be 
doing tonight, dot, dot, dot. But that was definitely the wrong path to let my mind wander down. And I knew that was about Edward without even her mentioning him. And like, yeah. obviously unhealthy obsession, but it was like, it's cool that like, you just know. Yeah, you know. So the Cullens, however, are not in the cafeteria. So her good mood is immediately crushed when she gets, Bella, like her, her mood swings are a little bit much. I mean, I understand it. And, and again, I will say that I think Twilight does a really good job of representing some of the feelings I had, particularly around crushes and boys and dating and that sort of thing in middle school and high school. The part that I'm going to disagree with is that it did not, I could still feel these things and then still be happy about other stuff, like still have fun with my friends or still be in the moment. And it's not like, oh, my crush isn't at school today. I'm therefore going to be a zombie the rest of the day and ignoring my friends and like not (laughs) able to communicate with them. Yeah, agreed. And that's exactly what she does. As soon as she notices that the Collins aren't there, she like, she acts like she can't humor her friends anymore. Like she was just humoring them this whole time because she was in a good mood. And now she's like, oh, it's not worth it. It's a really downer of a chapter for Bella. She's like, uh, I was spiraling down in misery. I shambled (laughs) along behind Jessica, not bothering to pretend to listen anymore. (laughs) And then her mood gets even worse because Jessica cancels the shopping trip because Mike asked her out to dinner, which I guess was good. Yeah. So. I'm blown away by this kid. Like, obviously he wanted to go on a date with Bella. He wanted to go to the dance with Bella, but now he's like, Jessica was his second pick. (laughs) And like, that sucks. But now he's like all in with Jessica, like over the period of hours. I mean, I I think it's probably for the best here. Yeah, I don't know just blown away. She finishes her homework and goes home and has nothing else going on. So she decides to do some recreational reading. Now, I don't know why she can't just like watch TV. Like she has nothing. Does she have no board games, no puzzles, no no Game Boy? I understand the computer is out, but I had stuff to do when I, you know, when I was in 2005, when I was in 2005, (laughs) like even if I couldn't use the computer, there were things I could do to occupy myself. Yeah. Take up an instrument, Bella. Learn the ukulele i don't know yeah i read like a young adult book i mean read something jane austen's cool but it's fine there are things that are more fun to read she said that she starts reading sense and sensibility which is my favorite jane austen novel she remembers quickly the hero's name is edward which like fair but edward's not that big of a character in the books so i feel like that would not deter me from reading it but if you're trying to i don't know just not think about him i guess that's fine why doesn't she go hang out with angela like yeah jessica's busy I'm just trying, now I'm like, <laughs> do something. Yeah, and she know. keeps talking about how she, like, Angela's growing on her. She likes Angela yeah. a lot. Yeah. She so doesn't make know. any effort to be friends with these friends. Yeah. So they have dinner and then she ends up hanging out with Charlie. I don't know. They watch TV together. It's kind of mm-hmm. sweet. Yeah. That's, that's it. It seems like he was happy to be doing something together. Which yeah. is nice, but it makes me wonder, like, it seems like he's always trying to leave the house. She's always talking about how he leaves early for work in the morning. Right. To be out of the way before she gets up and, like, comes back late and then he's gone on the weekends. Maybe they know. need some bonding time. I think they do. I feel like they haven't had a bonding time yet. And she just moved there. She, like, went to school the next day. I feel like they haven't acclimated to each other yet. Oh, well. But he's acclimated to her cooking because she, <laughs> uh, she makes some marinated fish and salad and breads. 
so add food that to subplot. the food list. Yeah. It's not as much as a subplot, but I'm going to keep track of it anyway. Cool. And then I have a couple more quotes that I wrote here, which I thought was interesting. First, this is a merry misinterpretation, kind of. Well, it might not be, because I'm curious to know if you would interpret it the same way. So she's getting ready the next day, Tuesday, and they're, and they're going to go shopping this day. So she's getting dressed, uh, wants to look a little nice, but it's, it's also warm again. And she says, I dressed for the warmer weather in a deep blue v-neck blouse, something I'd worn in the dead of winter in Phoenix. Now, deep blue v-neck blouse, is that the, the shirt is the color deep blue? Or is it a deep v-neck that is blue? Because oh. I always read it and I go, oh, she's wearing a deep v. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. I don't know if Bella's pulling off the deep V, but if she is, good good for her. I honestly you know? think I pictured it as both. Like, I just applied the word deep to both To both? Words. It's a deep blue and it's a deep V. Show off that translucent shirt. skin. <laughs> you know. Let Edward see all your veins. My mom was like, Mary, if you want to know what translucent skin is, just look at the inside of your wrist. And I did that and I was like, holy crap, yeah. Oh, when she was listening to the first podcast? Yeah, I got some massive veins here. <laughs> some vascular veins. Yep, Wait, real vascular. do I? Can you see it on the Zoom? I can't really see yours as much on the Zoom. Okay. Mine are like, I mean, look at this. Okay, yeah. I feel like I don't mine know. are super veiny. I can see mine. I don't know if they're Ugh. vascular, though. It like makes me a little woozy just thinking about it. And mm. I'm not I'm not even skeeved out by blood. But who? Anyway. Neither. Yes, we're not Bellas. So I did <laughs> well, you pass did out. pass out that one time. <laughs> yeah. So the chapter ends. The Cullens are not at school again on Tuesday. She's a little bit bummed. But, mm-hmm. but the chapter ends where she and Jessica and Angela leave for forks and go to Port Angeles. Woo! And that leads us to chapter eight. Port Angeles. Port Angeles. Yeah, chapter seven was a little bit of a filler, I feel like. Not a whole lot going on. It was mostly just kind of her moping and then really nailing down to us like, okay, guys, she's decided that Edward's a vampire. Yeah. And I feel like but it's, maybe that care. was good because it was good to have that like dialogue that like, yeah, it'd be weird if he was a vampire, but he probably is. <laughs> I feel like we hadn't had a lot of acknowledgement of like, yeah. you know, supernatural things aren't normal. But I, I like that they took the time to list out all of the things she's noticed that are supernatural about him. Yeah. Because even just alone, like, the two that jump out to me the most, the fact that his eyes are straight up changing color, and the fact that he she literally watched him put a hand out and stop a car, seems pretty obvious that he's something. Okay. Port Angeles. So they go shopping. There's, like, not that many stores to go to, so it's it's not that bad. They kind of, like, gossip in the car on the way there, which is fine. Mm-hmm. They talk about Bella's all the a little boys. more girly in this chat. Yeah, suddenly she loves having girlfriends and she's a girly girl. They're just talking about boys and like the upcoming dance. That estrogen rush was invigorating. Yep, she said that. Don't you love it when the estrogen rush is just invigorating? (laughs) When the estrogen hits. I don't know if I would ever verbalize it like that. Like, I definitely understand. I went out with a friend, a, a girlfriend yesterday, actually. I saw one of my friends and we went for a run and we like walked and we gossiped. And I was like, oh, it's so nice to to have girls around, you know? Yeah. You just want to throw pillows and drink wine. <laughs> Is that what we do? I don't know. Sometimes. The drinking wine part, certainly. Definitely. That part. <laughs> I don't think I've ever really had a pillow fight. We did have a wrestling match. We did. That was fun. For one of my fun. birthdays. My like, uh, was that my 16th birthday or my 
18th birthday. I think it was my 18th birthday. It was high school. I don't remember, though. It was high school. But yeah, we definitely had a wrestling match. Yeah. That's what girls do at sleepovers. That's what we did. Beat the shit hard out of each other. (laughs) We did. My funny bone got hit, and it, like, made my fingers all tingly for just, like, a week. It was weird. I remember I went later on for my birthday. I went ice skating that day, and my hand was all tingly. Oh. Fun facts. Anyway. And she was never the same. Yeah. So uh, they talk about the boys and all that, and Jessica's like, hopefully we can reach first base soon. She doesn't say that. (laughs) She does say that she hopes that that Mike will kiss her by Saturday, so. Yep. Angela is not super into Eric, but she's happy to have a date to the dance. Happy to have a date that's tall enough that she can wear heels. So we get the feeling Angela's tall, I guess. We get more description of Angela. She is tall. Yeah, there we go. Mm-hmm. And then we also discover why Lauren doesn't like Bella. Yeah. I love this. So Tyler, if you need reminding, because this guy's not very memorable. He's like the featureless guy who almost hit Bella with his car in the parking lot and then tried to ask her to the girl's choice dance to make up for it. So Bella said no, but remember, Tyler was like, well, there's always prom, and then just kind of walked off. Apparently, Tyler told everyone that he's taking Bella to prom, and Lauren is jealous because Lauren likes Tyler. Therefore, Lauren hates Bella. Okay, so it seems like none of these girls have asked any of the guys they like out until Bella arrives. Like, this is junior year. Why have you not in the first half of the year? Why did none of you guys ask any of these boys out? It's like, Bella shows up, the guys are interested in her, and so all the other girls are like, oh, now's the time. Time. Now we gotta actually make the move. <laughs> now that they have competition. Yeah. Now Bella's like even more upset already on top of her crappy day with not seeing the Cullens that now she's like, oh, and now I'm mad at, at Lauren and mad at Tyler. She keeps like mentally thinking about how she's gonna like murder Tyler and stuff like that. <laughs> Again, with like the highly violent thoughts that she would never actually yeah, do. She's so very violent. So Jessica and Angela pick out some dresses. They're super quick about it. They try on like two things. In one store. Definitely not any of the experiences I've ever had trying to pick out dresses for dances. Mm -hmm. Because like maybe you find a good one at one store, but then you're like, what if there's a better one at the other stores? You end up going to every single store. It's like a full day event. I know we went homecoming dress shopping together at least once. Yes. And we had to go to like a different city. Yeah. To go looking for stuff. We lived in a relatively small town, so there wasn't a lot of like selection. Yeah. But yeah, it was a full event. Like you pick a weekend day, like a few weeks before. Yeah, you gotta go dress shopping you got to bring your moms Mm -hmm. you got to have your moms be like you can only buy that dress but i'm gonna sew on some straps to it (laughs) every time man every time (laughs) yeah they weren't a fan of the strapless ones and then can i just say so one of the dresses i wore was for my 11th grade homecoming and it was one of my favorite dresses and my mom did sew on some straps to it and then i wore continued to wear that dress for years and years and then one time when i was in i don't know if it was like college maybe i cut the straps off of it finally and i was so mad that i did that because it's way harder to wear strapless. <laughs> like it was a great she was dress right. Straps she was right like man I wish I had these straps on it still oh well oh my god my favorite homecoming dress I ever wore was this like zebra print dress and it had a neon green yes like tassel like you tie it around your waist is that a tassel I don't know but like well, it's like a ribbon a ribbon like a belt. yeah I don't know a ribbon belt yeah yeah I loved that dress and looking back like <laughs> that dress was horrendous <laughs> well that's the one that I remember we went shopping for because I wore yeah. a dress it was black and it had neon green trim all around it yeah neon was in we had some 
some fashion sense, man. <laughs> oh, yeah. Neon was in, man. Like, the thing is, so I haven't grown since, like, eighth grade. So the dress I wore to my eighth grade dance is another one that I've worn many, many, many times since wow. then. Like, I've worn that in, I wore that when I was in, like, senior year of high school. I wore it to a wedding. Like, me and my sister used to wear it to weddings all the time. So. I think I gave my eighth grade dance dress to the Goodwill. Probably when I picked up Twilight. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember what you wore. We had our eighth grade dance was black and white themed. Yeah. So a lot of people wore black and white, but then mine was blue. I just like stood out. Like, why did I do this? I you don't were know. cool. You wanted to stand out. I guess. It was like prom when, for whatever reason, everyone our year wore like black and blue. And then your dress was purple and my dress was red. Yeah. And we like stood out a lot more. Yeah. We were at opposite ends of the rainbow. Yes. Yes. But like the pictures of us before prom, it's like everyone else is in like black, white, or like blue, like dark mm-hmm. blue. Mm, anyway it's true it's just you know dresses they 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 change it happens it'd be like that it'd be like that so then they finish shopping and bella's gonna ask angela also if it's normal for the cullens to miss school and angela's like yeah they go backpacking a lot and i don't know why bella's so upset by this it's like i don't know she's gone into this thought spiral of depression when they had a good time the last time they saw each other on thursday mm-hmm. on thursday like why why is she so pessimistic she keeps being like oh, he promised to go shopping with me in Seattle next week, but, like, is that even still gonna happen? Why would it not? Yeah, he why would it not? hasn't given you any reason not to. Like, this should have cheered you up, if anything. It's like, oh, okay, cool. He just, like, goes backpacking when, you know, when it's nice out. He's no not big blowing deal. dodge on you. This is a normal thing. Yeah, plus it's like, Bella, he's skipping school. It's not like he's just trying to avoid you. Although, right. based on history, like, it kind of does seem like sometimes he skips school to avoid you. <laughs> but not this time. But not this time. Everything seems yeah. chill. Uh, you know, he asked you like, uh, oh, would your mom m- mind you dating someone scary? You know, come on. Ooh. Pointing in, the, you know, all the signs pointing in the right direction. Can you imagine if your family was just like, hey, every time the sun's out, we're going to go backpacking. Okay, so this always just reminds me of, this is a weird tangent. I apologize to anyone who doesn't care, but I think it's funny. I care. Yeah, so my sister, who notoriously growing up when we were in like high school, was not, not a big dater. She didn't really go on a lot of, I don't think, any dates or anything. But she used to talk all the time about, like, hypothetical guys. Not even real guys that she would date. But she would just love to talk to my parents, especially my dad, about, like, Dad, if I, you know, like, if I brought a guy (laughs) to a restaurant with us and he was, like, came up on a motorcycle, like, what would you do? Like, what would you think? She would just (laughs) do stuff like this. And so they were, like, play acting one time, her pretending to be a guy that she hypothetically was bringing home to meet the family. (laughs) And she was like, what if I what if I brought home this guy, you know, and he and he had a nose piercing and my dad was like, I would, you know, say, hey, you know, are you going to eat dinner with us? And she was like, what if he said, I only eat when the sun goes down? <laughs> like, we just continue what? on that path. And it just, I don't know why, but the phrase, I only eat when the sun goes down, just cracks me up still. I've literally heard that from you before and I never knew what it meant until right <laughs> That's now. That's what it meant. <laughs> I feel like I have that written somewhere. Like somewhere I have, I don't know. I don't know where it is. Is it it's like, like your Twitter it, bio or something? I yeah, I want to say it's like somewhere weird. I have I have written down like I only eat when the sun goes down, <laughs> and I have no idea where that is. I feel like it's like a a name of one of my albums on Facebook or something. Oh, like okay, it's like something album. like that. Yeah, I'm, I feel like that's what it is. Anyway, that's just what that reminded me of. <laughs> yeah, they, oh. summer 2012. I only eat when the sun goes down <laughs> is a name of one of my photo 
albums. Wow. On Facebook. Because back, I, I haven't made an album for so long, but I used to like name them silly things. That's cute. <laughs> I only you when the sun goes down. Wow, I forgot about that. You and like four other people being the four other members of your family <laughs> know what that yeah. means. I'm sure I'm the only one who remembers that. I bet my sister doesn't even remember. <laughs> I just have a weird memory for things. Anyway, okay. Continue. I think it's cute. Okay. So continuing with the story, they found their dresses after three minutes and then they decide they have more time so they want to go walk around the port in Port Angeles. Bella for some reason is like oh I want to find a bookstore so like you guys go walk around go put your dresses in the car and walk down the bay and like I'll meet up with you in an hour at the restaurant we agreed to meet at for dinner. This is before cell phones in a town she's never been to before that like none of them are from they don't know how to get around. It just seems weird to me that a teenage girl like we knew I don't know I guess not everyone but most people know not to just go off alone in a situation like this and I feel like it's just a convenient plot trap for Bella to be alone in Port Angeles. Like I've definitely been out with people before where they're like hey we're gonna go you know grab a coffee at Starbucks. I'm like okay hey I need to run over to Best Buy and grab some what? Best Buy that was weird. I Best need to go Buy. grab I need to a go TV? over to I need to go quickly buy a TV I'll be right back. <laughs> but like I, I've been in situations where like I have to run a quick errand but that's usually when you're in you know the kind of place we grew up in just like a city where you're driving and it's like okay I'm driving over to the Target to run inside and grab something and then I'll meet you up because you know that like this isn't gonna be a fun outing it's just like a quick errand you need to do yeah. I get that I also understand wanting to go to a bookstore and like browse by yourself but an hour is not enough time to walk somewhere go to a bookstore like browse for a while and come back if you're like really distracted so yeah also the point of this evening was to like hang out with the girls now she's like hey I'm just gonna like dish you guys for an hour and I feel also like it, at least if it was me if I was in this kind of situation where it was nighttime and we were walking somewhere and a friend of mine asked to do this I would not let them go by themselves no either yeah so exactly don't love that girls yeah. stick together walk each other to each other's cars carry a cell phone carry a mace not a mace some mace the weapon a mace, the medieval weapon a mace is a different thing the medieval weapon <laughs> make sure you have your ball and chain what are those things it's not a ball and chain that's it's a like mace a stick thing yeah right? with a little spiky ball yeah on the stick yeah <laughs> don't forget your spiky ball don't when you go to Port Angeles don't forget it <laughs> so she goes to a bookstore and is like wait nah this is not what I was looking for so she decides that like even though I haven't researched any other one and there's only one department store in town I'm just gonna wander around and hope I can find another bookstore oh, yeah it blows my mind Rachel you and me we just went on a trip just back in like March before COVID before the world shut down yeah before the world shut down we went on a trip we were wandering around this city in the daytime together with cell phones and maces and we the weapon <laughs> the weapons <laughs> and we were trying to look for like any kind of clothing store and there just weren't any and we yeah. walked all around this town and we couldn't find anything and this is what I'm just thinking like Bella there's no guarantee that there's another bookstore here yeah what are you doing just wandering around the downtown warehouse district there's no guarantee and she has no idea where she's going she's never been here before she's like oh maybe if I walk this way down this dark alley I'll find the other bookstore and one freaking chapter earlier she said that she's hopeless with directions oh god <sighs> so anyway she quickly gets herded by some guys who trap her some sketchy looking guys and clearly these guys are um up to no good ill-intentioned 
yeah, they've, they've sort of trapped her in this alley. And once again, we have very violent Bella, who I kind of always liked this bit because I'm not exactly sure if this is how it's meant to be read. But she says, I braced myself feet apart, trying to remember through my panic what little self-defense I knew. Heel of the hand thrust upward, hopefully breaking the nose or shoving it into the brain. I feel like that or shoving it into the brain is like the little added bit she added on in her head. <laughs> and then it says finger through the eye socket. Also a thing you learn to do. Mm-hmm. But then it says, try to hook around and pop the eye out. (laughs) Yeah, that part stuck out to me too. I was like, girl, you would never, I mean, do it if it'll protect you. But I don't think Bella would ever pop an eyeball out. Pop an eyeball. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Anyway, she doesn't get a chance to pop an eyeball out or shove someone's nose into their brain though. Because Edward shows up and he's like, vroom, vroom. And then he like throws the door open and he's like, get in. She gets in and they just zoom off. Mm -hmm. Those sound effects, I had such a visual. Thank you. (laughs) I kind of forgot the fact that he doesn't like yell at the guys or anything. He just kind of grabs her and goes. It's like really quick. Yeah. That whole part. So I have a couple sections that I want to read here because it's hilarious. So they're driving away and he's like super keyed up, but she's just kind of chill. Yeah, she's she's like, all of a sudden. Woohoo. Like, I feel super safe now. Yeah. So he says, distract me please he ordered i'm sorry what he exhaled sharply just prattle about something unimportant until i calm down he clarified closing his eyes and pinching the bridge of his nose with his thumb and forefinger and so here we have some violent bella i racked my brain for something trivial i'm gonna run over tyler crowley tomorrow before school he was still squeezing his eyes closed but the corner of his mouth twitched why he's telling everyone that he's taking me to prom either he's insane or he's still trying to make up for almost killing me last well you remember and he thinks prom is somehow the correct way to do this so i figure if I endanger his life, then we're even and he can't keep trying to make amends. I don't need enemies and maybe Lauren would back off if he left me alone. I might have to total his Sentra though. If he doesn't have a ride, he can't take anyone to prom. Oh my god. And then Edward's like, oh yeah, I heard about that. (laughs) And she said, you did? And then here's my favorite bit. She mutters to herself, if he's paralyzed from the neck down, he can't go to prom either. (laughs) (laughs) And I just love Bella's like inner monologue about all this. Maybe we need a another like opposite of potato count like murder account murder (laughs) Murder count i don't know i don't want to go back and look through them but yeah the best part if he's paralyzed from the neck down he can't go to the prom either (laughs) i muttered refining my plan okay again where's option three talk to him (laughs) don't hit him with your car Nah, it's all murder all the time, baby. All murder. That's what Bella stands for. Yeah, murder. so that's a fun, that's a fun, fun boy right there. I liked that bit. But anyway, they eventually calm down and she's like, hey, I gotta go find Angela and I was gonna say Lauren. What's her name? Angela and Jessica. Yeah. And so somehow, even though Bella was like ahead of time and she had all this extra time, I guess Edward, like the picking her up and driving her far away and coming back was enough time that it's now been not only just over the hour that she had, but like Angela. Angela and Lauren have already eaten when they get back to the restaurant. Yeah, and they conveniently run into them leaving the restaurant as soon as they get there. She like runs out and grabs them and they're all like, oh my God, we thought you were dead. We couldn't find you. We thought you got lost. She was like, oh, I did. And then I ran into Edward. She doesn't tell them like what happened. No, and Bella doesn't strike me as the type to like tell stories like that. But she also, they do that like girl thing where it's like hint, hint, wink, wink. It's totally fine if you let me stay here with Edward. Mm. You know, Edward 
Howard's like, I want to take you to dinner. And the girls are like, uh, yeah, we'll stay too. Unless Bella wants to be here alone. And Bella's like, yeah, I want to be here alone. <laughs> but she's actually like, oh yeah, it's fine. Like if you want, if you guys want to go home, I don't want to keep you waiting. Yeah, they do that whole thing, the whole girl code. Mm-hmm. So Bella and Edward are going to go to dinner. This has always really bugged me that the name of the restaurant is La Bella Italia. Because it has her name in it. I just don't like that it has her name it in it. It bugged me like, that they on. didn't mention it. She, she should have been like, haha, that's my name. Yeah, I don't know. I just feel like <laughs> I can picture Bella doing that. They're walking up the stairs and Bella's like, Haha, good one. That's my name. Get it? Great Italian. first date. <laughs> now come watch me eat. Yeah, there's a lot of like peripheral stuff that happens in this chapter or this scene that doesn't matter. Like the fact that all the, the waitresses and hostesses keep like hitting on Edward. And, and, and here's the thing. This is a very common, especially in like TV shows or movies thing that I feel like does not happen in real life. I mean, yeah. I've never experienced it. Maybe you would have like people, employees of businesses do not tend to rudely hit on one of their patrons right in front of their patron's obvious date. Yeah. I have never once encountered someone who has like, and I've never also seen some like, you know, hot guy or girl who's with someone else and been like, oh, well, clearly like they're not going to be competition because they're ordinary or whatever. <laughs> like, no, this is not a thing. And maybe no. you could say that it's all like in Bella's head and it's not really happening that way. She's just interpreting, you know, the person to be a little flirty. But I find this to be just kind of an annoying trope. Agreed. Especially because it's like, it's the hostess and the waitress that are like flirting with him and hitting on him. That would never happen. They're just at their job. They're not there to make people uncomfortable. They're there to make money. You would never walk up to a table with two people at it and like only direct your your questions about like what you want to eat and stuff to one person yeah. and just like ignore everyone else at the table. Yeah. I just feel like that's unrealistic. So, I mean, correct me if you're wrong. I, you know. No, I, I agree know. with it, you. It's a dumb trope. And we get a fun quote out of this though. So, Bella notices that all the, the hostesses and the waitresses are acting differently towards him and that Jessica and Angela were kind of a little like speechless or like unable to like be themselves around him. They were a little like starstruck. So she tells him, you really shouldn't do that to people. It's hardly fair. He says, do what? Dazzle them like that. She's probably hyperventilating in the kitchen right now, talking about the waitress. And then he goes, do I dazzle you frequently? (laughs) Okay, but I actually love the part where she says frequently, because again, like I pictured in my head of she's just saying, you know, this whole thing about like, you really shouldn't dazzle people, it's rude, or it's it's unfair to them. And then he's like, ooh, do I dazzle you? And I just picture her being like, "Mm mm-hmm, frequently. (laughs) (laughs) Very monotone. Yeah, very monotone. Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah, you you do, but I'm, you know. I'm immune. I'm immune. (laughs) There's some weird stuff where she's cold and he gives her his jacket, which is light beige. I don't know. Just the way they always describe his clothes. I've noticed this. They'll say light and then a color. And I'm always like, is is the jacket light or is the beige light? It's a light beige jacket. (laughs) Also, beige is already a light color. Yeah. What is what is this with that? And so he puts it on and then he's like, oh, that that color blue looks lovely (laughs) with your skin. Now, here's the thing. I noticed that she's wearing this deep blue v-neck shirt deep v right that we've talked about color looks lovely with your skin is not normally a thing you hear i feel like oh okay that's true i understand yeah there are certainly colors that pop better you know on your skin i get that but i just feel like i would never say to someone that color looks good with your skin yeah that's a weird compliment yeah seems like it would come from someone who's like 
checking out your veins. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I've definitely said like, oh, that's a really good color on you or something. But it's just, I mean, it's the same implication. It just sounds weird to point out someone's <laughs> skin. I didn't Ugh. even pick up on this though, because I was just trying to figure out like what was blue because they mentioned the blue sweater at the very beginning of this chapter. And this is close to the end and they don't mention the blue sweater again. So it's like he gave her a light beige jacket then said that color blue looks really good on you. I literally it's thought it was a typo. It's not even in this chapter. It's at the end of the previous chapter. It's not even in this one. I was like, what blue? Where'd the blue come from? If we were doing this podcast one chapter at a time, none of us would remember what the blue was. No. It's, ugh, anyway. I thought it was a typo. I want to talk about the food for a second because it's important to me. Kind of. It's something I always think about. So there's two things that happen here that only since I read this book do I identify with. One is I'm not a big soda drinker and I in particular don't like love Coke like it's fine but if I'm gonna take the time to have some extra calories and drink some soda I'm gonna drink like root beer Mm. or like something that I prefer the taste of. I have since this moment had times where I'm very when I go to a restaurant and I'm very thirsty or I feel like I need some sugar or something and I'm like oh a coke that like sounds good and it's because of this scene like because of the way they describe her being all of a sudden very very parched and thirsty and like drinking like four cokes or whatever (laughs) she drinks throughout this scene. Yeah. I don't know why like this goes with me. Also she orders mushroom ravioli. That's not a food that I had ever had before this. And then a few years after reading this book, I remember going to a restaurant that my family frequents all the time now. And I noticed on the menu, mushroom ravioli. And I was like, ooh, I'll try that because Bella had it and she said it was good. You remembered that? Wow. Because it stood out to me as like mushroom ravioli. I mean, no kid is like, ooh, mushrooms, yum. (laughs) But I saw it and I was like, okay, I'll try that. And it is my favorite meal now. Oh. If I go to, I always order that when I go to that restaurant. It is so good with a nice Coke, creamy pesto sauce or something or a spinach sauce. So good. Now, I do not think mushroom ravioli, usually they'll have sauce options. But if they only, if the restaurant only has red sauce, red sauce is not good with mushroom ravioli. You okay. need to either have an Alfredo or cream sauce or a pesto or like spinach or something okay. else. But anyway, just wanted to point that out. And I'm definitely adding that to the food wow. list as well. Thanks, Twilight. Thanks, Twilight. You helped me find my favorite food. <laughs> okay. Then we have like some important stuff that they talk about. So Edward confesses he's doing something that he's never done before, which is trying to keep one person alive, which is a weird thing to say, but we don't care about that because they don't really point out that it's weird. So Edward goes on and he's like, you're not a magnet for accidents. You're a magnet for trouble. If there's anything dangerous within a 10 mile radius, it will invariably find you, which is like, I mean, not wrong for Bella. She's flailing all over the place all the time, but also like, oof, thanks. And he says he's been trying to keep her alive since the first day he saw her and she remembers that like vicious stare and like the really awkward first class in bio and it's like oh he was trying to keep her alive from himself <gasps> because she says like well you've saved me multiple times now you've saved me twice and he's like actually i've saved you like three times that's the subtext because he says your number has been up since i first met you yeah since that that time so it's definitely eerie it's it, this all stems from when she asks him up front she says why are you you here in Port Angeles and he refuses to answer and she says that she will she will answer some of his questions on the ride home if he can answer some of hers. So he tells her, like you mentioned, that he's been trying to protect her and he followed her to Port Angeles in order to keep her safe and she's, okay, let's hypothetically talk real quick. Let's just hypothetically say that somebody can read minds, which I feel like is interesting because... 
up until this chapter, we really haven't... She says that she feels like he kind of can read people well and knows what people are thinking, but he straight up admits to reading minds here. Yeah, and I feel like we didn't have a lot of clues towards that one yet. Yeah, that one wasn't as hinted towards. So he admits to reading minds and following her around and listening to other people's thoughts to figure out where she was and stuff like that. And then that's how he's able to rescue her. I love this hypothetical conversation they have where she's like, hypothetically, let's call this person Joe. And he says, okay, Joe then. If Joe had been paying attention, the timing wouldn't have needed to be quite so exact. Only you could get into trouble in a town this small. You would have devastated their crime rate statistics for a decade, you know. (laughs) And then she goes, we were speaking hypothetically. (laughs) Because he just jumps over and says, you. And he says, yes, we were. Shall we call you Jane? (laughs) I like that. I love that line. Yeah, that was good. So that's one of my favorite ones. Another thing I want to point out, much like the bit about the window opening very easily in the previous chapter, I also want to mention that when she was reading her book outside in the lawn, she said that when it was dark and she woke up after she had fallen asleep, that she felt like she wasn't alone in the yard Mm. and that there were eyes on her. Just want to also throw that out there and we'll come back to that later. So yeah, they go on talking a little bit more about, you know, this whole how he found her and everything. And at, at this point, they've been talking for a long time and they they realize that they've been leaning across the table, getting closer to each other. And she contemplates wanting to reach out and touch him as well. And he also, much like Bella, maybe this is a reason why they're good together. He also has a lot of murdery thoughts. Like he keeps <laughs> talking about how hard it was to go away from these guys and not hunt them back down. Yeah. After saving Bella. Yeah. Because after we just kind of assume that he can read minds, he never really says like, oh yeah, I read minds. It's just kind of part of it now. He talks about how these terrible thoughts, these, these men in the street were having. <laughs> I said, that's so weird. <laughs> these men, men in the, in the streets. streets. <laughs> the men in the street. Yeah. So we're, it's just now we can just add that to our list. We've just kind of accepted that, uh, that Edward can read minds. Mm-hmm. Cool. Nice. So they leave the restaurant and they, they get ready to drive back home, back to Forks. And Edward ends the chapter a little bit kind of, kind of creepy, kind of ominously. He's like, now it's your turn. Yep. That'll be for next time. So what did you think? Overall, any final thoughts on these two chapters? I think we somehow got lucky again with these chapters sort of linking together and being a good pair of chapters with her thinking of him being a vampire and then segueing that into him doing some more pretty impressive stuff, a little bit eerie, a little bit creepy, a little bit murdery, and then him admitting to being able to hear her thoughts. It's also nice that these chapters are so full of like angsty, sad, depressed Bella that it's really good that we finally get kind of a lighthearted ending. Not lighthearted is not the right word, but like a, whoo, okay, they got together, they're talking, yeah. It's it's out of the school setting. They're actually really alone for kind of the first time. And now we're about to enter another chapter of uninterrupted Bella Edward time as they drive home where we're going to get some more conversations. Nice. So I, I like them overall. I wish Bella's happiness wasn't so tied to Edward being present. It's annoying to me when she's like, and my entire world shattered when he wasn't in the cafeteria today. <laughs> but also just like the scene in the street bothers me because she's being dumb like going out by herself in this town she's never been in and also it's it's just like it's an overused trope just the way she's like immediately fine after it happens because Edward is there no you you should be a little more I don't know maybe like it doesn't have to be like that 
What am I trying to it's say? It's definitely unhealthy, for sure. Yeah. It's like she's almost proud of the fact that she can repress feelings, which is very unhealthy. And Right. She mentions that she has an easy time repressing negative situations. Yeah. And I also feel like maybe someone who has been in a situation like that might read that and be like, wow, I wish I could just bury those feelings, <laughs> you know? For sure. I think that scene would be written very differently if it was a book that was written now in 2020, as opposed to being written in 2005. But it's something that comes up a lot in teen or, or young adult fantasy or romance or even even adult romance novels of because I'm, you know, thinking now of like Fifty Shades of Grey and stuff of the sort of and this is a critique that Twilight gets a lot, this idea of needing a protector and needing to be saved. And there are people who would say that Bella is, you know, very anti-feminist because she needs this savior figure. She needs this protector all the time and that she's not a good female role model because of that. Now, I will say, like you, <laughs> we were discussed earlier, if you're in a town that you don't know, and this is, you know, a time where you don't have cell phones, and you are a young a young woman, or honestly, just a person by yourself, anyone yeah. by yourself, don't go off by your, <laughs> don't go off by yourself. You know, <laughs> if you're in a car, that's one thing, but, you know, have, make precautions, and if you ever have to, for some reason, walk somewhere by yourself, I will literally do things like pull my phone out and talk to someone on the phone. Yeah, or just stay where there's lots of people. Right, stay where there's lots of people, like she contemplated a couple times when doing this of jumping out in the street to stop a car kind of do that if you have to right you know well, maybe not I mean, don't, don't jump get out hit the street. flag but... down a flag <laughs> yeah. down a car or whatever yell out yell out for someone much earlier don't don't just wander down yeah. streets or as soon as you feel like you're getting away from where the people are like turn around she started right. to feel like she was kind of in the middle of nowhere and then she kept going because she was like well maybe on this next street it'll start to look normal and i will say though understanding that this book if you look at the whole thing as sort of an extreme allegory for certain ways that people think. I do think, and it's not everybody, that there's certainly a section of the population who has at one time contemplated what it would be like to have a protector savior type figure, okay? And that doesn't mean that you can't also be independent really or want an equal, you know, partner. Of course, it means that you still probably want those things. But I think that people like to fantasize about having the the chivalrous partner or the person who's going to always be looking after you and stuff like that. And and I don't necessarily think it's realistic or it's something that you would even always want, but but I think it's kind of that it this is a fantasy book and this is a fantasy that some people might have occasionally. And I think that it's okay to don't look at it as a blueprint of how to really act or how people even really think, but it's a it's a way to indulge in that in, in a safe environment. I think that's a good way to look at it. And I, I don't think Stephanie Myers and intention when she wrote this scene was to like describe how you should handle the situation or to say that it, you should just repress your feelings after a situation like this happens to you a traumatic situation i think her intention was to live out the, the chivalrous savior fantasy like you were saying and like we mentioned before you know with my whole the good's good and everything's gravy idea that is repressing the negative things and we already came to terms with the fact that that's not healthy and yep. so it's not <laughs> just because the main character of a story thinks something or does something it doesn't mean that that's healthy. I think a lot of people reading this can read it and, and support Bella as a main character while also understanding that she's a teenager who does not have everything emotionally figured out right now. That's true. And at that time in your life, you don't really know that it's bad to repress feelings. So Right. So I just yep. think that it's uh, you don't need to agree with everything a character does in order to still identify with bits of them or to be okay with them being the main character. I think there's a lot of stuff that Bella has done, Edward has done, Mike 
Mike has done, Jessica has done that we don't necessarily care about. Angela's the only perfect character in this book. <laughs> Angela's great. Angela, she's normal. She's great. She decided to buy the fun pink shoes, even if she's only going to get to wear them once. <laughs> Treat yourself, Angela. Treat yourself. Okay, let's go through a couple other things. I have a couple effing Laurens to add it to this. Mm. While Lauren was not ever directly here, we have lots of mention of Lauren. So in chapter seven, we have quoted here, I was indecisive. It would be nice to get out of town with some girlfriends, but Lauren would be there. (laughs) (laughs) And then we also have, the Port Angeles scheme was back on again for tonight and made all the more attractive by the fact that Lauren had other obligations. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) F and Lauren. And then in chapter eight, of course, we have the whole section about explaining why Lauren doesn't like Bella because of Tyler. So Mm -hmm. that's good. Which so that's, uh, we got two for chapter seven, one for chapter eight, which I believe brings our total up to eight. Man, Lauren sucks. Lauren sucks. Real glad she's on my team. Yes. Uh, Shall we do best line, worst line? Let's do it. I have a worst line. I think this is something I already talked about being annoyed about, but it's from when she gets to lunch on like the first day of school after the weekend. She's scanning the cafeteria for Edward. She says, the place was nearly filled. Spanish had made us late, but there was no sign of Edward or any of his family. Desolation hit me with crippling strength. Oh, that's, that's just pathetic. I'm sorry. You're fine. You're gonna be fine. He's just out of school. Crippling strength. Yep. Like, I'm picturing her getting like punched in the gut when she like doubling over when she sees that Edward isn't there. Yeah, it's bad. It's bad, guys. So that's that's a pretty bad quote. I will agree with that. Best line was a little harder. There wasn't a whole lot. There, there weren't really great one-liners. I liked a lot of a lot of the paragraphs, like I mentioned before. I really liked the part about Bella talking about trying to kill Tyler. That part's funny and how he can't take anyone to prom. If I really like some of the little quips about yes, shall we call you Jane? I think that's really funny. The one I'm going with here is the one that I read before about the making decisions though, because I do identify with it. Making decisions was the painful part for me, the part I agonized over, but once the decision was made, I simply followed through, usually with relief that the choice was made. So I'm going with that one. That's a good one. Yeah. I like that. Look at this. Bella spouting some healthy wisdom for once. (laughs) Okay, so food count. Chapter 7, she eats a bowl of cereal and marinates fish with salad and bread for dinner. And chapter 8, of course, the aforementioned mushroom ravioli and coke. Mary's favorite meal now. Bringing our food count up to 5.5, which means 0.5 more food than Lauren in the book (laughs) through eight chapters. 0.5 more foods than the number of times Lauren is a beach. (laughs) Yep. Okay, let's get to the potato count. What do we got? We got a few potatoes this time. Not as bad this time. She was a little bit better. We got another Jim comment. So chapter seven in Jim, she's already like upset that Edward is in the cafeteria and then she has to go to Jim and they get a lecture for the entire gym class on Batman rules. She says, at least it meant I got to sit and listen instead of stumbling around on the court. The best part was the coach didn't finish, so I got another day off tomorrow. Never mind that the day after they would arm me with a racket before unleashing me on the rest of the class. (laughs) I love that imagery. Somebody take this girl out. I love that imagery. (laughs) Arm me with a racket and unleash me on the rest of the- Unleash me like a wild beast. So funny. (laughs) That's so great. Uh, That was a really good one. Yeah, I I enjoyed that potato. Chapter eight, we had two more. So the first one, she's being cornered by those men in the street. (laughs) Men in the street. (laughs) 
<laughs> and she says, I knew they could outrun me in any case. I was sure to trip and go sprawling if I tried to go any faster. So she's walking and she's like contemplating running, but she's like, no, they could outrun me. But if I walk any faster, I'm going to trip and go sprawling. So you're such easy pickings. Yeah. But I feel like like the adrenaline's pumping. Too bad she didn't have a badminton racket. Then she could have been unleashed <laughs> on these guys. Forget the mace. Forget the mace. Give Bella a badminton racket. Yes. <laughs> She'll destroy you. And then another, it's not really a potato moment. I just, I like this comparison. So it's at the restaurant and they're about to leave her and Edward. And the quote is, he stood up and I scrambled awkwardly to my feet. <laughs> I love how Bella sees herself. Yeah. Like, Can't I'm sure she did stand fine. Up. Yeah. Oh, or, well. I don't know. She's pretty potato-y. Maybe she didn't. She scrambled awkwardly to her feet. So what are we up to? How many potatoes? So we had one from chapter seven, two from chapter eight. Brings us to a running total of 20. Count them. Oh my gosh. 20 potatoes. Bella is a potato four times as much as Lauren is a beach. <laughs> <laughs> Quick maths. Quick maths. Okay, let's do our chapter rankings here. So, so far in first place, we have the previous chapter, Scary Stories. Do we feel like either of these plugged in better than that one? Not number seven. No, I think Scary Stories is still number I one. I think for Scary me. Stories is the best. And I also still think blood typing is better than the yeah. other two. But I could see putting Port Angeles after blood typing just because of the conversation at the restaurant is really pivotal to the book. Yeah, I'm down for that. Okay, so clocking in at number three, chapter eight, Port Angeles. And then for chapter seven, I mean, let's see. She has a nightmare. She contemplates things in the woods and then she's all grumpy. <laughs> I mean. Yeah, this one wasn't great for Bella. It's not, a, I mean, it's not that interesting of a chapter. Yeah, let's see. We got open book in four. What was that one? Open book was when they had the sexy biology conversation the sexy bio con- oh that one stays where it is okay, okay great five we have invitations that was just kind of a meaning chapter where everybody yeah, was asking for the dance yeah three phenomenon that's the car accident but bella's a jerk which is why it's so low yeah okay is bella worse in phenomenon or in this one i think she's worse in in chapter seven okay it's just such a gloom and doom chapter yeah is she worse than the first chapter she might honestly be she, she might be i think the first chapter's at her. I think this is our eighth place chapter right now. I'm down for it. Seven nightmare. The worst. (laughs) All right. And as always, you can find all of these lists of everything. Our chapter rankings, potato count, F and Lauren, food counts, best line and worst line on our website, kowskicast.com. That's cow with a K. If you want to go to the quick link, it's kowskicast.com slash twifight dash podcast in order to find it. Or you can just click on the tab at the top of the page that says twifight to find all of this information as always. So Rachel, we actually have a review that I would like to read as well. Let's hear it. This is a review from Wes M9060 on iTunes, Apple Podcasts. It says, a fun look back and Twilight 2. Is the Twilight series of books trash or secretly great? The hosts of Twilight are setting out on a reread to look back at their middle school selves. That makes me feel so old. And the book that dominated junior highs at the time. Most of the podcast is devoted to the two chapters they are discussing 
discussing at the time, but since Mary, pro, and Rachel, anti, have known each other since kindergarten, other stuff gets thrown in for good measure. This adds to the comfortable feeling of sitting down and listening to friends discuss a pop phenomenon. These books don't deserve a serious literary breakdown, and that's okay. And the intro-outro music is a bop. Is that what the kids say? I think that's what the kids say. Aw, that is what the kids say. Is Thank kids you. Say. Thank you so much. Thank you, Wes, for that review. Wes also sent us an email, which you can also do if you would like to send us longer form questions, comments, or just thoughts, and you don't feel like that fits into a review section. You're welcome to do that at podcast at kowskicast.com. So Wes mentions some kind of spoilery ideas that he was thinking about in terms of where the rest of the book series goes, particularly the final book, Breaking Dawn. And so there are some hints in the first couple chapters alone that we didn't necessarily mention right up front, but we'll definitely mention when we get to Breaking Dawn that hint at some of the future powers that some of the characters may have that are kind of interesting here to talk about. He also mentioned if we would be interested in reading The Short Second Life of Brie Tanner, which is a book that sort of slots in timeline during Eclipse. So Rachel, have you ever read The Short Second Life of Brie Tanner? No. I And it's been a long time since I've read Eclipse, so I don't really know who that is. It's a really short book. You probably wouldn't unless you've really, really read Eclipse recently, but it's a really short book that's probably like, I don't know, 80 pages long, if that. That was sort of a, it's not exactly a spinoff, it's just sort of like a hidden, it's like a deleted couple of scenes from a, the perspective of a different character. So uh, feel free to leave us some tweets if you'd be interested in us covering the short second life of Brie Tanner as well. We can definitely discuss that more when we get to it. And then also, of course, we have thoughts to potentially cover Midnight Sun as well. So there's lots of all sorts of spinoffy things that we can do as well uh, but our primary primary goal here is probably going to be the the four main books but there's definitely a lot of other material if anyone's interested but I actually know a couple people have said in the past that the short second life of Brie Tanner is one of their favorites of the Twilight novels so is it written by Stephanie Meyer yep it's written by Stephanie Meyer it was it's a companion piece I'll I have multiple copies I'll send you one don't have to go to Goodwill yeah no I collect these anyway but yeah feel free to send us your comments and questions on our website or at our twitter kowskicast.com that's also cow with a K. You can follow me online everywhere at Frail Mary, and you can follow Rachel at Stukin on Twitter. That's S-T-U-U-U-K-E-N, three U's. Thanks also to Will from America, of course, for creating our theme song. As Wes says, it is a bop. It's such a bop. And if you enjoyed the podcast, we'd love it if you left a five-star rating and a review on iTunes. It's the best way for people to find our show, and we'll read your stuff. Yes, we will. We'll discuss it. Okay, everyone. Thanks. That's all for this week's episode. Thank you for joining us, and we'll be back next week for a reread of chapters 9 and 10. We're just blowing through this book. We really are. Mm -hmm. For now, we're the Kowski cast. Thanks for listening, Twihards and fellow haters. Good night. (laughs) I always say good night. It's not nighttime for everyone. Thanks for listening, Twihards and fellow haters. Goodbye. Every morning when I wake up, I ask myself if I'm team Edward or team Jacob. But a part of me says that clap i can see it on audacity it's a big line okay all right fine good enough okay um so let's start our introduction (laughs) 
fan fires. <laughs> I forgot about did you change that or was that what we had said before? I think we said that last time. Oh, it's so funny. Okay. <clears throat> All right, ready? Ready. <laughs>